Hey everybody, we're back at Red Rocks Racing Sportsbook. He is Jason, I'm Chucky. The sports betting podcast bookends. We dove into football last week. We had a great time. We went through a lot of kind of cool stuff and interesting tidbits. And uh, we're going to keep rolling. I mean, this is uh, heading into week three of preseason, which may be the dress rehearsal for a lot of teams. We didn't see a lot of the, the big name guys play in week two. We will see Aaron Rodgers play in week three. Um, some of the storylines for week two, I thought Sam Howell was kind of interesting. Um, the amount of playing time that he got. And well, we, gave... we jinxed the Ravens. We talked oh, about yeah, that. Oh, yeah, that was my next. We right. talked about the Ravens' uh, but, you know, win streak, and then we knocked, knocked it down this week. It, it, it took, like, to the very last play of the game for them to lose that streak. So they were bet heavily on the money line. Good, good decision for us, although we probably lost the last 24 on the money line to them. Um, you, you know, I think when you look at that streak, though, Jay, think about the Raiders have a six-game winning streak. The Steelers have a five-game winning streak. Theirs was 24. Um, and you're not playing starters. I mean, I think it became a, a pride thing toward the end where so many guys didn't want to be on that team that actually ended the streak. Um, but I think really on a positive note for me, it really was that commander's offense with Eric Bieniemy getting a chance now to be the OC there, maybe a chip on his shoulder because at Kansas City it was all about Andy Reid, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes. But he's got some weapons there and some firepower. And young Sam Howell, I thought, looked really good on Monday night. Yeah, them taking the Ravens down, and you talked about it, just what's going on with the commanders and, and Bieniemy getting the, the head coaching interviews all over. He doesn't get a head coaching gig. Um, it's viewed that he was running an offense that really Andy Reid right. and Patrick Mahomes run and how much of it is his creativity or how much did he have to throw into it. So he's coaching with, you say, that chip on his shoulder, and he's got – really a bunch of unknown kids outside of Terry McLaren to kind of run that offense. Sam Howell's been given, uh, you know, the ropes to this team, and um, he's actually performed really well. He's a, a rushing quarterback. He will run. He will take the ball and run. Some from that, from a fantasy standpoint, he got some stuff there, and he's got the weapons with Jahad Dobson. Has. And then bringing in the enemy's offense to where we think that there's going to be a lot more of dumping off to the to the running backs, which really wasn't a huge part of the commander's offense, although they, they did have um, McKissick there last right. year, and that yeah. was kind of his specialty. But now it seems like Antonio Gibson, and they're introducing Brian Robinson even right. more so um, to that catching the ball out of the backfield. And we saw what a great runner Brian Robinson can be after he got back from the gunshot wound last year. So hopefully he's fully healed. They can be a good offense. Um, we'll see what they bring bring to the table. But I don't think you should sleep on that commander offense. I think they're really good. And then the other thing that I kind of came out of that game between the Ravens and the commanders is that I do think the Ravens are going to have to score a ton of points this year. Um, Lamar Jackson obviously gets the big contract. They've loaded him up with weapons have, right. surrounding him. Um, some questionable weapons. Really don't know what Bateman's going to be. We don't know what Beckham's going to be. You bring in Zay Flowers. We know Mark Andrews is an absolute right. star. They've got a bunch of guys at running back. Maybe J.K. Dobbins takes the lead in that running back situation. But Lamar Jackson and that offense are going to have to be really, really good because I'm really worried that the Ravens defense, in particular the Ravens defensive secondary, is going to be exploited. And so look for some high-scoring games with the Ravens. Right. I think getting back to the commanders a little bit for me, and even like from the fantasy side of it, when you look at Howell now, he was kind of a projected first or, or fringe second round pick going into his last year at North Carolina. Struggled a little bit in that year, dropped all the way to the fifth round, but I think you have to kind of throw out a little bit where he was drafted and just look at what he's done on the field so far. 
And I think the commanders have seen enough in him, Ron Revere has. And I know you mentioned Dotson and McLaren, but Logan Thomas at tight end, uh, Curtis Samuel out of the slot, who had a really good season last year, and then both Gibson and Robinson at running back, they've got really, really talented skill position players. I mean, that can really contribute, stretch the field, and make that offense really good. I think if Howell uh, is one of those guys that maybe is kind of a sleeper pick, um, based on that offense a bit. Yeah, and, and you, we would expect the Commanders to play at a faster pace. They were one of the slower-paced teams uh, the last several years, so with that enemy offensive coordinator, maybe they play at a faster pace. Maybe we see Commanders score some more points this year. So I know we talked about that game a little bit and, and some of the things we saw in that game, and I know last week we talked a little bit about the rookie quarterbacks, if it was Stroud, if it was Young, if it was Richardson, but what do we kind of expect like out of those three guys right now and is there any other kind of young quarterbacks who maybe aren't in their rookie year but in their second or third year that haven't had a lot of playing time that we think can make the jump? I have somebody in mind, but what do you think first about the, the three rookie quarterbacks who are so highly touted, have all been anointed starter already, yet have really struggled so far in the preseason? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know that I can say that I'm excited for those three young men because I think that they're in some really difficult situations. Um, the Colts with Richardson right. um, have some some playmakers around him from a receiving standpoint, but obviously the Jonathan Taylor mess behind him, um, he's going to look to run, but I don't think that they're going to be super effective there. And we, we've talked about Houston and the situation that Stroud is in, um, let alone the way he's looked. Um, not a lot of huge weapons there. Maybe they rely on Damian Pierce. Um, and then the Panthers, from a from a Bears standpoint, right. um, you know the Bears get the Panthers' number one pick. So uh, Bryce Young, the quarterback of the Panthers, there he's got Thielen and Mingo are his top receivers, and Miles Sanders is running back. So not a huge complementary offense around any one of these guys. So I'm really really worried about. Um, those three teams, those three quarterbacks having big years. I think we could see some real struggles from those teams. When you talk about a young quarterback, not necessarily a rookie quarterback, but a guy, but a guy that's in his rookie year that I will say I'm excited for, as much as I hate the Packers, is Jordan Love. Um, I do think Jordan Love has a lot of pieces around him to have success, in particular Christian Watson, Watson Romeo Dobbs. Um, he's got a, a huge tight end. Very Luke, young wideouts. Uh, Luke Musgrove from uh, Oregon State is a monster tight end for him. And he's got really, really veteran running backs in A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. Just a guy that loves to catch the ball out of the backfield. So when we talk about the Packers having a first-year starter and the weapons that the Packers have around him, I think Jordan Love is set up to have a lot of success in his first year, trying to avoid the mistakes. But he can go and push the envelope. And I think as much as people are down on the Packers with Aaron Rodgers leaving, I still think the division is wide open. The Lions are, right. are the favorite in the division. Obviously, we've talked about the Bears at length. Um, the Vikings won a ton of games, um, very close games, one-score games that they won late. But I really think this division is wide open, and if Jordan Love can play good football, I think the Packers can't find themselves at the top of this division because I do think they have the best defense in the division. I think the one thing for, for Love, and, I, and you don't see a guy usually get an opportunity to sit for three years ever who's a first-round draft pick, but he did behind Aaron Rodgers. It's just that their the receiving core is so young, is that they don't have that veteran guy that could really kind of go in there and help a young quarterback. So we'll see how it translates for Jordan. Yeah, and Love. you talked about sitting sitting there for three years. You're not trying to digest an offense for the first time like we see these other three rookies. You're getting Jordan used Love to the speed of the game. Digest this this right. offense. He knows he knows this offense. He's watched so much film, um, and now he's got some playmakers around him. And I really think again between Dobbs, Musgrove, and Christian Watson, he's got some good receivers that can go make plays for him. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna stay in the NFC. I'm gonna go to a division two that I think is wide open. 
and that's the NFC South. And I'm going to look at the Atlanta Falcons, and I'm going to look at a very young quarterback in Desmond Ritter. Um, Ritter wasn't kind of in that group as highly touted when he came out last year. Um, but you look at the young skill position players the Falcons have, you can make a case that they have some of the best young skill position players in football. You draft B. John Robinson, one of the highest running backs drafted in the first round since Saquon Barkley. Kyle Pitts two years ago uh, was the fourth overall pick. You have Drake London now from Southern Cal, who had a great second half last year. He's 6'5", big-bodied wideout. You've got Cordero Patterson. You've got Tyler Algier. You've got a lot of young guys on that offense. It's Ken Desmond Ritter take the next step. I think it's a wide-open division. I think the Falcons' offense is going to be a lot better than what people think. Yeah, and I think the Falcons, from a standpoint of winning the South, only the Saints are maybe in contention with them there, as I think um, – Carolina and Tampa Bay are going to find themselves at the bottom of that division. So the Falcons do have a chance to, to leapfrog and be at the top of the big com- division and, and make it a push for the playoffs. They're really competitive last year, and I think just the way the kind of draft has unfolded the last couple of years, you really give Ritter a chance. I know it's young, skilled position players, but they are all really talented guys, and I think this offense could be scary. Yeah, and I just I wonder on the Ritter standpoint of we talk about B. John Robinson and, the, and they have a philosophy of Arthur Smith that they want to pound the rock, pound the rock, pound the rock. So we know we're going to see a lot of B. John Robinson. We're probably going to get to see a lot of Tyler Algier, who had a ton of carries as well. So when a run-first offense makes it difficult for Ritter to, to put up to, huge stats. But to mix Cordell Patterson in there as well. He had right. a great year last but year. But again, pound the rock, pound the rock can lead, to, can lead to those big plays. And he's got some big play receivers right. and tight ends that can make those big home run touchdowns for him. So now we're going to shift a little bit to the AFC. And you know, there's been so many rumblings, and I know you touched on it a little bit with the, the young quarterbacks with Richardson, about what happens if Jonathan Taylor leaves. You know, How does it move the needle based on where he goes? I think right now, I mean, Josh Jacobs looks from all indications are he's going to come back and play for the Raiders unless something dramatic happens. But the Colts have given Jonathan Taylor permission to seek a trade. And the one team that we keep hearing about is the Miami Dolphins. You look at that offense and how dynamic it is with Hill and Waddle. They've got a slew of running backs there. Their coach comes from the 49ers tree where it didn't matter. It was next man up. But you put a Jonathan Taylor in that backfield, you're pushing all your chips to the middle of the table. You play in the same division with Josh Allen, with Aaron Rodgers now. That Dolphin offense, I think, would be scary good if they get if they get Jonathan Taylor. And I think it does move the needle a little bit for the Colts, but or for the Dolphins, but it also moves the needle in a different direction for the Colts. Yeah, and, I, and we, we talked about if Jonathan Taylor was to go to a team how much does that move the needle? How much does it change the power rating? Does it give that team that much more right. of a, a chance to where we're lowering their odds to win an AFC championship or, or, a, or a Super Bowl? Um, and Jonathan Taylor, clearly, if he goes to the Dolphins, again, depending on what the Dolphins give up, if they give up a Wilson or Mostert, which I would imagine I think they, they have, have to send to. one of those right. pieces back um, to the Colts and probably some picks. But the Dolphins, I think, you're, when you're getting Jonathan Taylor, you're not looking to use him as a as just a piece of a backfield. Right. I mean, he's a lead back. He's a guy that's a three-down back, a guy that you want to give 200 carries to. Um, I'm more worried of Jonathan Taylor. What is the what is the flip side you know, on the Indianapolis Colts? And where does the power rating on the Indianapolis Colts go if Deion Jackson is their lead back or they acquire a Jeff Wilson or a Raheem Mostert at this point in time in the preseason to get themselves up and running on that offense with a rookie quarterback uh, and not really a bunch of dynamic offensive pieces. So the Colts continue to make poor decisions here with the fight with with Taylor, uh, and I'm more worried about it if he does get traded 
what the Colts are getting back and if it's a piece that can help them this year or if they're only getting picks, which again then really drops my power rating on the Colts for this year. You know, with, with the Dolphins, though, you just have to wonder. They gave up a, you know, a lot in the draft for Tyreek Hill. They gave a lot up in the draft for Bradley Chubb. Um, I know that they've got all the pieces there. A lot depends on the health of Tua. But they were in on Delvin Cook, but it was a very pedestrian offer. It was two years at $8 million, $4 million a year. The Jets stepped in, and it's I think it's $6 million, uh, for one year um, with incentives that can bring that to $8 million. So, I mean, are they willing to pay Taylor? You're not going to trade for Taylor and give up draft assets. He's still on his rookie deal. He's going to want a long-term extension. He's only 24. I just wonder if the Dolphins are really in on that or not. Um, you look at teams like the Cowboys and Bears, who I think are both one and two right now in cap space. Does it make more sense for one of those teams? I don't think so. I mean, we know that the running backs the Bears have, they've kind of got a three-headed monster, drafted uh, Rashawn Johnson. Um, The Cowboys obviously lose Zeke, going to go with Tony Pollard. There is some room to put him into that backfield, but I think that they're, uh, again, we we saw them franchise tag Pollard and not give Pollard the money. So what makes you think the Cowboys are then going to go ahead and put the money in to paying Jonathan Taylor when they weren't willing to do that for Pollard or Zeke? Uh, And they obviously made that mistake or what I would say looks like a mistake with how much money they gave Zeke over all those years so this is really tough and it really it comes down to how much money is Jonathan Taylor really looking for if a 10 million dollar franchise tag can't get it done um, to bring him back that's only one year though I mean I think right he's looking for an extended contract but I mean he's still looking for those 12 to 14 million dollars a year that we saw Chubb and the other guys get you know I think the one team in that same division that seems to be in on every running back that's either you know via free agency or a trade is the bills um you know they're going with james cook right now they were in on delvin cook they had talked about kareem hunt some other backs you have to wonder if if maybe they're in the mix a little bit too um with jonathan taylor how scary would that be with that offense yeah they picked up damian harris damian harris he's hurt though he's got yeah, the knee he's, injury he's banged and, up um so again you could add him there i think even minnesota even though they let go a cook they have Matson as their lead back with really nothing behind him. There's some, some opportunities there. The, the cost for me is what it comes down to. What is James, What is Ta- what is Taylor looking for in order to sign that deal? I'm sure it's going to be in that range, like you said, of 12 to 14 million for at least four or five years. Yeah, I would and think, I don't know with that some that, guarantees. I don't know that that's anywhere in the league right now. I don't know that I that, agree, that, right. that money's coming from anybody. I mean, outside of McCaffrey. In, in today's right, running back yeah. market, that's just not going yeah. to happen. So we'll, we'll see what happens there, but I agree. I think depending on where he goes, he moves the needle in a positive way, and if he does go, I think he moves the needle in a negative way for the Colts. So we've talked like on, on some players right now, but now we're going to talk about a team that seems to be kind of polarizing right now, that's getting everybody's attention. They're on hard knocks. I hate to talk about Aaron Rodgers, but I will. Um, so it's the New York Jets. Um, they're a really good team. Their defense was lights out last year. They were in so many games that they lost late because of that quarterback play. They add Delvin Cook. They've got Garrett Wilson, and now they have Aaron Rodgers. What do you think about the Jets? Like, what, what's number one? What's a major disappointment for them this year? Is it Super Bowl or bust? And what's a major accomplishment for them this year? Well, I think if you were a, a Jet fan, you're probably saying it's Super Bowl or bust. Um, from me sitting here today saying what is the expectation from the Jets, um, obviously we've seen a team that has the longest playout right. drought in all wait, wait. of major sports. Sorry, Pomp. You know, I'm really sorry that we had to say that again, but the longest drought of the four major sports of any team. It was the Sacramento Kings who made the playoffs last year, so now it belongs to 
J-E-T-S. So starting with what what is an accomplishment that needs to be fully expected from the New York Jets? And it's about a pick em price. They're a slight favorite to make the playoffs this year. So I, I think from my standpoint, if the Jets make the playoffs, and I truly expect them that they need to go win a playoff game. Um, obviously, Aaron Rodgers, history with, with the Packers. But for me, success would be the Jets make the playoffs and win their first playoff game. How and many I, NFC championship games did Aaron Rodgers win? <laughs> oh, yeah. One. But it, it's it, it's a t- to say that they can go win the NFC, to say that they can go win the big the big game, um, that's that's difficult for any team in the league to say right now outside of, of predicting maybe the Kansas City Chiefs or Philadelphia Eagles. But if the Bills can make the playoffs and put themselves in a situation to get to an AFC championship game, I think that success and the fact that they haven't been there for 12 years. And you talked about why they're being talked about so much. Um, obviously, the, the Rodgers is the biggest deal um, that, that happened this year in the NFL to get Dalvin Cook. Um, to partner up with Reese Hall, who right. was injured and was dynamic. We, we saw what Wilson was. I mean, they have a lot of pieces of the puzzle. Uh, Sala is a, a but, very interesting coach. But not only that, they went out and they helped Rodgers. They went out and got Lazard and Cobb, two of the guys that he was comfortable with with yep. the Packers. Well, and it, it's the, the hardest thing is they're in a tough division. I mean, they really they're, are. They're in the Bills division now, and the Dolphins are very, very good, and the Jets are sitting there, and, and we're kind of seeing, seeing the fall of the New England Patriots. But um, to answer your question, I think it's, it's, uh, they've, they've got to get to the playoffs to have, for the Jets to deem this a successful season. If they don't get to the playoffs, this will be a catastrophic failure. I, I agree, but I think you've got to take it one step further. I think it's get to the playoffs and at least win a playoff game in Rodgers first year but if the Dolphins well, they have a very very difficult schedule they do I mean, their, their schedule that, is very tough that division if the Dolphins do ultimately trade for Jonathan Taylor you think about the top three teams in that division last year we talked about the NFC West how tough that division we thought would be and it was kind of a disappointment this year if you, if you add Jonathan Taylor to the Dolphins those top three teams and it still is Bill Belichick I mean I think the AFC East for my money becomes the toughest division in football I'm on the AFC North slash Central. Um, I think but, a very competitive division. <laughs> I think the other one's just the toughest. But, yeah, it's good to, good to agree, disagree at times. Um, so we're going to come back, and we're going to jump into our second segment, which is really all about kind of fantasy, and we love to have fun with that. But before we do, this is a great time to remind you guys, with week three coming up with the preseason, you've got week zero of college football this week. What a great time to sign up for STN Sports. We still have that $500 bonus going on right now. And don't forget about the contests. Yeah, last man standing, both college and pro. $100,000 guaranteed in college, $150,000 guaranteed in pro, $25 in entry, buy four, get a fifth entry free, easy to play. Wait a minute, Pick- you don't need those big $1,000 entry fees? Nope, just 100 bucks, 200 bucks get you in both the Love college it. and pro. Pick a winner, advance to the next week, see how long you can last and be that last man standing. And, you know, we talk in all this football, but we still have baseball on the board, a great pennant race is going on, the guys are hanging over under season wins today for the NBA, over under points for the NHL, so again, get on that app, look at all the incredible props that we're offering on a daily basis. WNBA with the Aces, we had a couple of tough games with the Liberty, but won the last game against the Liberty, those two uh, teams look like a, on a collision course for the championship of the WNBA, so as Jay mentioned, a lot of really cool stuff, we love when you guys come out, experience everything we have to offer, not only here at Red Rock, but all of our properties but again a great time to get the app it really does bring the sports book to you we'll be right back guys with our second segment on bookends all about fantasy football guess what it's football season baby and you know what that means it's time to bet your buns off and when it comes to sports betting you better bet with the stn sports app 
I'm talking football. All the fights. Men's and women's basketball, men's and women's soccer ball. We've got it all. And with our 14 convenient sign-up locations around town, it's no wonder they call me the queen of convenience. Because when I bet with STN, I feel like royalty. So what in the heck are you waiting for? Download the STN Sports app today and trust the local favorite. Hey everybody, we're back at Red Rocks Racing Sportsbook. Jason, I'm Chucky. The sports betting podcast bookends. Now we're going to talk a little fantasy football in our second segment. Last week it was all about the quarterbacks. Now it's about the guys who carry the rock. So we know that they've been kind of devalued a little bit so far. They're not getting the big money. But from a fantasy standpoint, you need to have stud running back. So first well, day. Well, 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 well. I don't know. Maybe you're going. Maybe you're all maybe receivers. You're going top receivers and you're going empty running back. We talk about the running back. I'm saying you need not, a couple of Not backs. getting paid. Maybe they're being undervalued in fantasy football as well as we start to see a lot of receivers, a premium tight end, and quarterbacks go way early. And we see this no running back philosophy of taking your running backs a little Whoa. later. So maybe you go running back heavy. Jay's trying to sway maybe you guys. Maybe you don't. It depends on where you're I th- you know, it depends on where you're drafting the players that come available to you. But I think both strategies are very, very interesting. Um, and you can go both routes and win a, win a fantasy championship. So with that said, we're going to give you some guys that we think maybe you should target and maybe a couple of guys maybe you should stay away from depending on where you draft one thing before we talk about our guys and our 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 sleepers and stuff like that for me the running back position is very important to know your league um point structure um we have ppr right you have half ppr and then you have the no ppr um the ratings on these guys are very very different in half PPR or no PPR than they are in the full full PPR. So most of you guys are playing in a standard PPR league. That's kind of where almost all fantasy football is going. But if you're playing in a half PPR or no PPR, the running back position should be valued that much higher than the PPR position. So again, it, half PPR or no PPR, the running backs need to leapfrog a lot of these receivers in most cases. So I think it's a really good point. Know what your, your league's rules are. All right, so we each looked at kind of the overrated guys, and I know it's going to surprise a lot of people when we both give out our name, but we're going to give you a few reasons why. So first, who's your most overrated running back? Well, I'm going to go with the guy that's been drafted one, two, three in a lot of the drafts, and I'm going to tell you that I think Christian McCaffrey um, is overrated, um, again, just from where he's going in drafts. We're talking about a guy that going back to 2020 played three games right uh in 2021 played seven games now last year he played a full season after he got traded to the Niners from the Panthers but again has a history of injuries and and catastrophic injuries that have kept him out of a a bulk of the season he now goes to the Niners with Kyle Shanahan where we saw him get the vast majority of the usage in the 11 games that he played but in those games Elijah Mitchell wasn't fully healthy we didn't have a, a healthy Debo Samuel in those games and they were having quarterback question marks between Purdy and Lance and all these different guys of what was going on in, in San Francisco. Well, now they're, they're solidified in what they've got in their offensive positions. We know that McCaffrey's the lead back, but Elijah Mitchell is still there as his second back, and Shanahan does like to use multiple backs, as well as you get a healthy Debo Samuel, a healthy Ayuk, a healthy Kittle. There are weapons galore in that San Francisco offense, and feeding all of them is makes it tough if you're going to take McCaffrey as the number one or two player in fantasy football when he's got the got so many balls to share with a lot of talented people in that San Francisco lineup. And I think there's a lot of pressure on Brock Purdy, too. He comes back from the injury. I mean, you're talking about a guy last year that had so much success who was the last player taken in the draft. He was Mr. Irrelevant. There's plenty of tape on him right now. He's coming back from that injury. 
So defenses are going to adjust to what were his strengths last year. So I think it puts a lot more pressure on the other skill position players in that offense. Yeah, and I'm not saying McCaffrey shouldn't go in the first round of your drafts. I'm just saying if you have those first four picks, I do value some of the top, especially in a PPR league, I, I value some of those top receivers more. Um, I, I, I can argue that I value, I mean, we'll get to it, a different running back, even an Austin Eckler over McCaffrey, just on usage in the offense and the skill position players around him. So he's, again, he's the consensus kind of number one running back right now with Eckler right after that. Um, for me, it's a little bit, and this guy is phenomenal, but it's Derrick Henry. And I think the, the reason being is that he doesn't really catch the ball out of the backfield at all. Um, he's led the league and carries three of the last four years. He turns 30 during the season. And we normally see running backs. When you see like an Ezekiel Elliott and some of these guys that have gotten those big paydays, they start to go this way a little bit when they hit that age. Now, Henry's been phenomenal, but I think I worry about maybe not as much him as I do that offense. Um, they add D-Hop. Okay, that helps a little bit, but you might see Will Levis play a lot this year. There might be 9 and 10 guys in the box because there's not a lot else there, and I think you're going to be a Titan team that could be trailing in games. He's not that third down back a lot out of the backfield. I just think him being maybe the fifth or sixth back off the board because he's so one-dimensional right now and that offense really is going to struggle, I think I'm going to downgrade Henry a little bit, which is tough to say because he's been so dominant. I just think in today's fantasy world where you need a running back who's going to catch the ball to on a bad offense, he's just not that guy. Yeah, uh, you talk about the Titans being able to put the ball in the end zone and move the ball up and down the field. Um, but if they do, it's going to it's gonna be Derrick Henry doing a lot of it because right. they don't have a lot of around him. Well, they again. did add, what, Tajay Spear? Yeah, behind him. Yeah, and he has been phenomenal in the preseason. I know it's preseason, but he looks like that kind of change of pace back with that breakaway speed and what he can do. And Henry last year, although he was so good, he still had one of his lowest yards per carry at 4.4. So there's just a number of things, I think, pointing against that. Taking nothing away from what a great career he's had, just from a fantasy side of it, I really worry about where he's getting drafted right now with so many guys that can actually add to receiving out of the backfield as well. Um, so now I'm going to go and give you the guy that is being undervalued. Undervalued. When we talk about a, a guy that's probably in the top 10, top 15, that we think is going to uh, perform higher. And this guy's a top back, um, going back at kind of running back five in most of the fantasy drafts. Um, and I like him as running back one. I think he finishes the year as the number one running back in fantasy football, whether you're playing in a half-point PPR or a PPR. And that's going to be surprising to you because – he doesn't catch a lot of balls on the backfield. But the Cleveland Browns and Nick Chubb are about to have a monster, monster season. We're talking about a guy that had 300 carries last year, 1,500 yards, 12 touchdowns. I think he had 20-some catches on an offense that was ranked 14th in yards gained and 18th in points scored. And this was with a atrocious Jacoby Brissett at quarterback right. for their first set of games and then a really, really bad Deshaun Watson for six games to end the season. They're going to get better quarterback play from Deshaun Watson this year. Um, they've added Elijah Moore in the, in the receiving core. Um, but the big deal for Nick Chubb is he doesn't have Kareem Hunt back there to steal carries and to vulture touchdowns from him. Um, Jerome Ford is in the backfield as the backup, but Nick Chubb is going to get all the work that he can possibly imagine. Right. And when I say that the Browns were 14th in yards and 18th in points, 
because he's getting a better quarterback play and better receivers doesn't necessarily hurt his value. It means that the, the Browns are going to be scoring more points. And with, absent of everybody else, he's going to get all those end zone carries and is, is a premium goal line back. So when we talk about Jamal Williams having all those touchdowns last year, we talk about Nick Chubb having 12 touchdowns last year. I'm telling you Nick Chubb scores 18 to 20 touchdowns this season rushing, and he is your RB number one. Well, I could almost insert my guy's name <laughs> and say the same thing that, that you said. And my guy's Tony Pollard of the Cowboys. He finished last year as a running back seven, ninth overall in, in running back points. But you think about that he had a share with Zeke. I mean, and McCarthy, what has he said in the offseason? Why did he make an offensive coordinator coach? Because in his words, I want to run, I want to run some more, and I want to run some more. The only guy behind Tony Pollard right now is Deuce Vaughn. So I think all the things that you said, he catches out of the backfield, he had the the longest, I, I think he was first in an average touchdown run as far as yards went. This kid is phenomenal. You've added Brandon Cooks now on the offense to go with Michael Gallup and CeeDee Lamb. I think Tony Pollard's that guy in that offense, especially with Mike McCarthy, who wants to run, um, that can lead the league in rushing. My only concern is that he was more of that 12 to 15 carry guy per year, still finished a running back seven. Now he's going to be asked for that 20, 22 to 25 carry guy. But my guy that I think could lead the league in rushing is Tony Pollard. And he should get a lot more work around the end zone. We'll Absolutely. talk about Ezekiel Elliott and the number of carries he had from the five and in. Uh, Pollard should get those carries now, so his his touchdown should ramp up uh, dramatically. So although we kind of talked about, you know, maybe you don't draft running backs or the two guys that we thought are a little bit overrated, we both feel really strongly about Chubb and Pollard that could be one of those running backs that probably should go in the first round and should pay enormous dividends for you guys. I think Pollard easily surpasses the 10 to 12 touchdowns this year as well. So now we're going to look at maybe our, our kind of sleeper guys that who do we think are being, you know, maybe not draft in the top 10 to 15, but can really contribute to your fantasy roster after the first few rounds. I'm going to, I'm going to give you running back 15, a guy that's going um, as running back 15 on the, on the sheet we got. Um, had what I would call a, a down year last year, rushed for eight, 814 yards, um, caught uh, 60 receptions for 441 yards, and that was in 16 games because one of their games was canceled. But that's Joe Mixon um, in the Cincinnati Bengals. Go back to 2021, he rushed for 1,205 yards. So again, 400-yard fall off from the year before because he missed two games, plus they had the game canceled against the Bills. Um, Mixon is now the, the, the lone running back, we'll call it, in um, Cincinnati with Samaje Perrine being shipped um, to the Denver Broncos. Um, he took a pay cut to stay with the Bengals and be the Bengals, and one of the reasons why I love him is, again, this Bengals offense is one of the best offenses in the National Football League. We're talking about an offense that's going to finish top three in the league. He's the lone back. He's, he's catches balls out of the backfield. Um, I look for Joe, and, and he had uh, seven TDs um, rushing and two TDs receiving. Right. So it was in that nine TD range. If he can get to that 12 TD range and back to his 1,200 yards rushing, um, we're talking about a quarterback that's now, or a running back that's now in the top 10. Yeah, it's, it's great that he did come back and took less money to be that guy on that offense. There's a lot of weapons for Joe Burrow to throw to, but he's one of those guys that, that is a third down guy. He's on the field as well. I'm going to go to the NFC. I'm going to go to the NFC North. I'm going to go to the Detroit Lions and Jameer Gibbs. He is a running back 17 on most people's kind of big boards right now. And you think about last year, I know you touched on it, all the touchdowns by Jamal Williams. Great. Guess what? He's in New Orleans now. 
DeAndre Swift, who went healthy, most people thought was top three as some of the most in one of the most dynamic backs in the league. Where's he now? Philadelphia. Jamison Williams, who they drafted two years ago to be that kind of deep threat. He's going to be suspended for the first six games. You went out and you got David Montgomery. Montgomery, over the last three years, has averaged like 3.6 to 3.7 yards per carry on that offense, on that carpet, indoors. They love to score with Jared Goff. I think Jameer Gibbs is going to be that back who's like an Austin Eckler. Gets a lot out of the backfield, uh, is an explosive back who can hit a home run at any time. And at running back 17, I think Jameer Gibbs easily finishes in the top 10 this year. Yeah, I can't argue on Gibbs. I just wonder how much Montgomery gets around the goal line. That's the uh, only fear. You know, right. there. Gibbs, uh, Montgomery's about 25 pounds heavier than Gibbs, so maybe he's the he's a goal line back. And I don't want to go in depth on some other names, but uh, if you guys are out there, I, I also think James Cook, um, who's the lone running back in Buffalo. Um, obviously, Damian, Har- Damian Harris is there, but is injured. Um, he's a guy that I would bring up the board a little bit higher. Again, Buffalo is projected to score a lot of points, be a top offense. He's their number one running back. And then really, uh, for me, another big question is what's going on in Philadelphia? Rashad right. Rashard, Penny come in. You talked about Andre Swift being there. But all the word in this preseason is that Kenneth Gainwell, Gainwell right. is still taking the first team reps. Um, Kenneth Gainwell, you can find down in running back 35 to 50 on lists. Uh, he doesn't go drafted in a draft of draft. So look at the end of your draft. And, maybe and steal Kenneth Gainwell if he ends up being a, a guy that gets big usage in Philadelphia. And they still have Boston Scott. So, I mean, they really mix four guys kind of into that equation all the time. And we're forgetting one key component for them. They have Jalen Hurts, who, when you're inside the five, who's getting the touchdowns? It's been Jalen Hurts. One other name for me that I think is a little bit of a sleeper would be Rashad White with Tampa Bay. There's really nobody behind him. We know Baker Mayfield's been named the starting quarterback. You've got Godwin. You've got Evans. White's going to be the guy that's going to carry 20 to 25 times a game. So I think there's some value with White as well. Yeah, and, and just a piece of advice, don't load up on wide receivers at the end of your draft in those picks 12 through 16. Obviously, you should be taking a, a defense and a kicker with your last two picks, but try and go get two or three of these running backs that are backup running backs on premium teams. Um, running backs are the most injured position right. in the National Football League. They do miss games, so you can find yourself with a starter on a, on a great offense by just picking up those backup running backs. Uh, so we hope you guys got some interesting tidbits on running back, maybe a couple guys to stay away, a couple of guys maybe to, to kind of value a little bit more. Next week we're going to touch on the guys that actually catch the ball and it's become such a wide receiver and passing league now that you're seeing a lot of wide receivers go in the first round so we're gonna have some fun with it we'll try to get you wide receivers and tight ends before a lot of you guys do your fantasy drafts but it's always fun to talk a little fantasy football all right don't worry about fantasy football get the app come in and get last man standing get yourself ready for football season all right guys he's jason i'm chucky we're at red rock we'll see you next week on the sports betting podcast bookends